Our scripture reading for today is Luke 1, 57 to 80. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant and the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. The word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for our praise team for leading us. Thank you for your word, which we got to hear. And now, uh, as we meditate together now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing before your sight. O Lord, our God, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Last Sunday, we heard about how the ancient Israelites returned to their homeland from their Babylonian exile and restore the rituals and the rhythms of worship and how they made a beginning in the restoration of the temple. 
A few decades later, a third wave of exiles will return to Jerusalem under the leadership of Nehemiah, and they will rebuild the protective walls surrounding their city. Then there will be a roughly 400 years without a word from God until God breaks that silence by sending an angelic messenger to an old priest named Zechariah, whose name means, appropriately enough, God remembers. Now, prior to our reading, Zechariah had been chosen by Lot and given the rare privilege of entering into the most sacred space in the temple to burn incense in leading worship. But while performing those duties, he unexpectedly encounters an angel who tells him that his wife Elizabeth would bear a son and that he shall name him John, meaning God is gracious. A terrified Zechariah, who ironically did not expect to hear a new word from God in the temple while leading worship, asks the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah was called to faith. He might have thanked God for the gift of a child, a hope that he and Elizabeth had long abandoned. He might have remembered, especially as a priest, that God had visited another elderly couple, Sarah and Abraham, when they too were also advanced in years. Instead, he implies that he will not believe, that he cannot believe without a sign. About the only thing he got right in this encounter is that he called his wife advanced in years rather than old. So the angel says, okay, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. You'll be silent and unable to speak until these things take place because you have not believed. Now, as you just heard, after nine months, Elizabeth gives birth to a son as promised, and it is, as it should be, a time of great celebration with family and friends But then when Elizabeth insists on naming her son John, the misguided neighbors dismiss her wishes. They veto her choice for the name of her own son. I imagine one of her neighbors telling her, Oh, Beth, you must be so tired and exhausted being so advanced in age. You can't name your son John. We'll just ask Zachariah, your husband, We'll get this all sorted out. Unwittingly, the crowd tries to dissuade Elizabeth from obeying the word of God. And they turn to Zechariah to support them against her. Now, for the past nine months, Zechariah has not been able to speak a word. And on top of that, the fact that he has to, the, uh, the crowd has to make signs to get his attention suggests that he has also been unable to hear. The Greek word here for mute actually is indefinite and can mean unable to speak, but also unable to hear, or it can mean both. And elsewhere in the scriptures, it is translated simply as deaf. Uh, I I imagine that in those days, they assumed that deafness and muteness went together. So probably having been ignored for these nine months and trapped in the silence of his own mind, he's now finally asked to participate. And so he asks for the first century precursor to the iPad, and he writes 
His name is John. And in that moment of obedience to the prophetic word of the angel, Zachariah's mouth, we are told, was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah bursts out in a prophetic song known as the Benedictus after the first word in the Latin translation. We don't have this tradition in our church, but in many other places, this is a prayer that is prayed and sung whenever the church gathers for morning worship. The Benedictus articulates the desire for deliverance so that the people can worship freely and proclaim a future aligned with the ways of God's peace and grace. And in Luke's telling, this is best expressed in songs of praise. In fact, if you listen to the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke, it's hard not to think that Luke is writing a musical. In his double birth prose narrative, he inserts these lengthy passages in verse. Everyone is singing praises. In addition to Zechariah's song, the Benedictus, Mary sings the Magnificat. The angels sing Gloria in excelsis Deo. Simeon sings the Nunc Dimittis. And on top of that, the shepherds sing on their way home, and Elizabeth offers a word of blessing that can be easily put to music. I've shared with you before that uh, I grew up on musicals as a kid, and I still like musicals a lot. In fact, one of my first dates uh, with Kyung was to see Les Mis. And during the show, she wondered, who is this emotionally wrecked old woman crying inconsolably next to me? Until she realized that it was me. <laughs> I wasn't sure that she'd go out with me again. She did. And we had kids. And when they were younger, we got to watch a lot of musicals with them. Mary Poppins, Mulan, and the other uh, Disney animated films. What's great about musicals, of course, is the music. It's the songs that stay with you that you hum on your way home. They often are able to express a depth of feeling that even the best expositions cannot. And what I've always found especially appealing is that even in a story that is sad and tragic, the songs invite us to hope and we get caught up in that wave of hope. Even in the bleakest moments, we are reassured that the sun has shined tomorrow. They invite us to join in their crusade and to stand strong with them because beyond the barricades is there a world you long to see. They remind us that even in death, there is this great circle of life and a legacy that we can leave behind even in a life cut short. They encourage us that you can let it go that you should not throw away your shot, that you can rewrite the stars, that you can try defying gravity, that you can climb every mountain that mistakes and doubts and not even death will have the last word in our lives. When Zechariah is first introduced, he's described as a righteous man, that he walked blamelessly in all the commandments, in all the commandments, he is someone who has devoted his entire life to serving God, and he was deemed faultless. It's a great biography. He's lived a good and faithful life, a life that anyone would be proud of. 
He might have thought, I've learned now. I've walked with God all these years. I know all about following God. I've been as obedient as I can be. And now I can just get ready for retirement. But isn't it interesting that despite his righteousness, or perhaps because of it, his heart was hardened against hearing a fresh word from God. When the angel showed up, he was understandably terrified. But he doubted the words of promise that was given to him. He was supposed to come out of that temple that day and offer the congregation a benediction, a word of blessing, but he could not because he could not believe this new word from God. And so for nine months, Zechariah ruminated, he meditated, he pondered, he prayed in silence before getting a chance to speak a word of benediction. And when given that opportunity, he chooses to obey and names his son John, and he gets to sing a word of blessing, a new song of praise to God. He emerges from utter silence to utter a word of new praise. It's a song that begins mostly in the past tense as he recalls God's faithfulness, that God has kept his covenantal promises beginning with Abraham to David, but then he switches to mostly a future tense, anticipating the role that his son John will play in preparing the way of the Lord in the redemptive acts of God. In the first stanza, Zechariah had picked up the traditional echoes of a Davidic kingdom of victory in the traditional sense over their enemies of salvation in terms of might and power. But in the second stanza, God is doing a new thing. It's not about deliverance from his earthly, ethnic, and nationalistic enemies, but rather the dawning of a new era. An era that is characterized by knowledge of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, the tender mercies of God, a light in the darkness, and the way of peace. It's a radical shift. It's a much better song. Zechariah himself has moved from legal righteousness to disbelief, to silence, to wonder, and then to praise. He's discovered that God not only remembers, but that God is gracious. His is a story, a musical, of a second chance, of growth, of redemption. He reminds us that none of us are too advanced in age for transformation or to sing new songs of praise. Imagine how impoverished our lives would be if our lives and our worship weren't a musical. Imagine this service without song. Zachariah's song was a specific answer to the question that was asked, what then will this child be? Those prophetic words are, of course, specific for John, but they're also words for us because they're also the plans that God has for us through Jesus Christ, his son. Are we also not the ones who shall go before the Lord to prepare the way? Are we also not the ones called to share the good news of salvation and forgiveness of sins? Do we still not have the task of proclaiming the tender mercies of God, the light and the darkness that the Son 
will shine even in the darkest of places and that God himself shall guide our feet in the way of peace. Deliverance, forgiveness from sins released. Blessed be the tender mercies of our God in Christ who lightens and lights our way of peace. Isn't that still a good song to sing? Pray with me. Lord, Zechariah's song reminds us that our lives and our worship are essentially a musical. And I'm so thankful for our praise team, especially today. And I'm thankful that we close our service every Sunday when we can with a sung benediction. God, I know that this congregation will soon forget all my words but would you help them to remember your words of benediction? Let that song resonate in their hearts and give them hope. Fill them with the Holy Spirit to sing songs of praise to you with a clear mind and a revived soul. Empower them to sing the news of salvation and forgiveness, of your tender mercies, of your light in the darkness, and of your ways of grace and peace. For it is in Christ's name we ask these things. Amen.